Welcome to another week of Owls AmeriCast. I think we're on episode 19, if our agenda is labeled correctly. I am your guest host, Evan Skilleter, because Jeff is, what is he, bowling tonight? Big Lebowski style, so he's out, I'm in, and hopefully I can fill his shoes well. So, um, starting with what I'm drinking, just a glass of water, very thirsty. Um, On the line, we have our Manhattan Owl, James. James, go ahead and tell everyone what your last name is, because I'm blanking, and also what you're drinking. My last name is Marriott, uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm drinking a, a a pint of stout. Uh, no, I'm James Allen. Uh, I'm actually in Manhattan, probably for the first time in uh, in 2018 on the podcast. I think um, I'm actually sat in my front room. I've got a um, I've got a pint of Imperial Stout, and I've gone back to an old favourite today. It's a, an evil twin brew called Even More Jesus. So in a week of miracles, um, I'm celebrating the Lord in a. Uh, an exceptionally powerful pint, which I think is twelve percent. So, uh, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm feeling at home and very comfortable. I've even got my feet up. I'm overwhelmed with New York owls today because every single one of them is a New York owl. Uh, Patrick, hello, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Patty, what are you drinking I, tonight? I have actually got some new beer in. I've got a Kentucky bourbon barrel ale, which is a beautiful. Ale aged in oak bourbon barrels. Nice, nice. I love me some bourbon and beer, so that works well. We have Luke with two last names. Luke, you can tell us what your two last names are and what you're drinking. <laughs> My two last names are Andrews Hacken, uh, although I usually just use Hacken. I'm drinking an Omnipolo NOA Imperial Stout with natural and artificial flavors color caramel added. 12 ounces and 11%. Oh, I've got a one percent beat on you, Luke. I don't mm. know if that actually matters, but uh, I feel feel good about it. And last, but certainly not least, our long lost co-host, Paul Owen. Paul, welcome back. What are you drinking? All right, chaps. Um, good to be back. Um, I've I'm actually uh, on some rye whiskey tonight. Um, drinking a spot of Fort Hamilton, uh, hailing out of Brooklyn. A beautiful little bottle, very tasty. Um, but I have just noticed on the bottle, it's actually bottled in Indiana. So I'm kind of confused why it's obviously just licensed out of Brooklyn because Brooklyn's cooler than Indiana. So I'm I'm kind of thrown by that, to be honest. But anyway, I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a touch of rye whiskey. Rye whiskey it is, and what a week it was for Sheffield Wednesday. We have, a, I guess you'll call it an escape from Barnsley, a derby miracle. We have an injury list that is longer than the dictionary, and a big, big preview of our FA Cup match against our old boss, and Millwall, which is what, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday, midweek. So let's uh, let's get right to it. Let's recap the Barnsley match and what a match it was, Patty. A bit of a different formation. <laughs> what a match! Yeah, what a match. I mean, first of all, for us, just a reminder: we watched an iFollow. It was seven fifteen in New York. Uh, I didn't want to be in the bar. Uh, I was tricked to be in the bar by somebody promising to be there, and they didn't turn up. 
Um, but we had the, uh, with five people there anyway. Uh, and the formation came out. Sorry, the first eleven team came out, and what a shit show it was. Probably, I mean, in a in a season of shit show first elevens, that was still manages to shock me of how bad we are right now with the injuries. I mean, David Jones is in there. You've got Liam Palmer's in there. Morgan Fox is still in there. You've got oh man, it just goes on and on and on. But the weirdest thing was that David Jones slots into the defence, which I didn't notice for the first four or five minutes. I just thought he was as anonymous as usual in centre midfield. Uh, and as we have no commentary on iFollow, I had no idea what was going on. So I just thought it was just being ineffectual, whereas fact he wasn't playing in midfield in the first place. No, he was in the back line. Be careful what you say about Palmer. You said it like he shouldn't have been there, and that obviously offends me every single time someone says it. So watch it. Uh, speaking of defenders, though, Venancio, uh, Luke, he, uh, he had a chance. He's had a couple chances lately, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. He uh, he seems to be a good um, target in the box on free kicks and corners. Uh, he had a really, really good chance, uh, I think about minute 15 or minute 20. Um, and he, he could have done better with it, but, you know, give him credit for, for making the effort. Um, I'd, I'd have to say that it can't be easy for him to be paired with uh, David Jones and uh, a rookie center back and a three-man back line. But, you know, looks like he's... He's doing his job and doing his best. So Barnsley, they are third last in the table. They have just five wins this season. I mean, we only have eight, so I guess I shouldn't say too much. But we somehow made them look good, Patty. Oh, as far as good. I mean, it was an awful game of football. There's no quality in the game whatsoever. I thought it was like it was like watching two League One teams. There was a couple of good performances on each side. I think that McBurney for them was by far uh, the best player they had, uh, and then his goal obviously was very well taken too. But he um, causes problems the entire way through. But just the there's there's passages of play in that match where no one could hit their target on passing. So I wouldn't say we made them look um, good. Uh, we were both as bad as each other, but they were probably the better team over two halves, I would say. So, I guess one thing, you know, I, I woke up and I watched this. I went out to my my living room and you know left my wife alone because she doesn't like Wednesday enough to wake up at 7 o'clock to watch. And I woke her up because knew he, um, with that with that penalty. How exciting was that to, to start a match Finally, get a call for us. Um, it, I, I don't know where to start, Evan. I mean, it was it was probably the most exciting thing that's happened in 2018 so far. Um, it was um, it was quite interesting actually because I think you said it was a bit against the run of play. I mean, um, Wednesday didn't start too badly, I didn't think, but we you know we we really only seemed to have one outlet, and that seemed to be down the right with uh, with Palmer, um, kind of you know getting getting stuck in and running in a straight line and, and not much else. Wallace was trying hard, I guess. Um, but actually, you know, Barnsley seemed to be coming into the game, game and starting and creating the better chances um, as the first half wore on. And then, um, you know, Zhao decided to, to plow off down the left and do something a little bit different. I, I think, to be honest, it was a little bit of a soft penalty. I mean, it 
kind of it was looked like half a dozen of one and six of the other to be honest but um but the referee pointed to the spot and yeah there was uh, there was excitement in our living room as well it was me and a, a three-year-old um getting excited about that uh, what i thought was funny was the way that basically knew who just uh, barged out of the way and said i'm having this um and he put it away really cleanly didn't he um, didn't really leave anything to doubt, so uh, so fair play to him. So, um, yeah, probably against the runner play a little bit, probably against probability that we'd even get given a penalty, and probably against probability that Dave would score. But he uh, he did a good job with it. Um, it's about the only thing I can remember him doing well all game, to be perfectly honest, because uh, he was playing the uh, the role of kind of you know the big target man, and the ball just seemed to be bouncing off him like a ping pong. Um, but uh, he did a good job, and uh, and that set us up for three minutes of uh, of excitement in the living rooms of North America. Celebration was good. I think it was one of the best celebrations on, uh, of the team. Unfortunately, got yellow carded for it because that's how stupid referees are nowadays. Yeah, he was pretty passionate, wasn't he? I mean, I think you know, for, for all the um, criticism that knew who gets, and I'm uh, I'm uh, probably pretty clearly defined as as one of his not biggest fans. Um, there's no doubting his passion, um, and I think it was you know that that was important in a game like uh, like Barnsley where we needed to be up for it and we needed to get in and have a scrap, and he. Uh, he was determined and, uh, and up for the fight, um, even if the output wasn't necessarily that great. When he uh, when he celebrated, there was <laughs> there was real kind of fire in his belly, wasn't there? Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Um, New has really been the guy that's from the first match he played this year. He just kind of uh, kept our spirits up. I remember a, a couple matches ago, he scored, or, or maybe we didn't score, but we were trying to come back later on and. And he ran up to the supporters section and, and just, you know, he, he tried to get everyone into it. He's just that guy that uh, I think he kind of feeds off the crowd's energy. And uh, he's just an exciting player to watch. But what's not exciting is our knife through the butter defending, Paul. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty quick, wasn't it? I think James just said it was like three minutes. Our celebrations lasted. And I know it was about that time because I was up making a brew. I was actually I had my back turned to the the game on iFollow when I was actually whistling with our fans, hi-ho Sheffield Wednesday, still kind of whistling away, making me brew when, when suddenly the, the kind of crowd went wild. So I, I have to admit that I missed it because iFollow doesn't have any highlights. I've had to kind of, you know, obviously wait for some of the stuff on social medias. And since the highlights have been on, I've kind of like gone back and I'd look, look through it. And it really is the proverbial hot knife through butter because they get a throw in and I've timed it 32 seconds of possession from a throw in about 30 meters out. They kind of cut through us over like 70 meters or so of the pitch through, I think it's like six or seven different players zigzagging from the left to the right, from the left to the right before McBurney kind of ghosts in behind our defense and slots it in. It's a classic example of the proverbial uh, hot knife. You know, we literally just switch off. I think, when I've when I've looked 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 at it back, I think Joey P gets the only challenge um, halfway through that move. Um, and when they get that throw in, there's only Big Dave in their half for some reason. Because we've scored, I guess everyone backs way way off, uh, sits back one challenge uh, before they ghost in and uh, and pop it in the back of the net. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the proverbial hot knife through our but- buttery defence. There was definitely was some like, confusion as well between Jones and Venancio, wasn't there? I think Jones collided with him a little bit. It was a little bit positioning, uh, new partnership, so to speak. So I think that didn't help um, everyone getting in the way of each other. Just complete shambles. 
it, it was a shambles, but it was almost like deja vu shambles, wasn't it? It was like um, it was like I think I tweeted at the time because I had the misfortune to be trying to uh, both hold a toddler and um, and do the OA tweeting at the same time. Uh, it was it was like we'd had a flashback to Burton, that goal where they uh, they just ran through us uh, like Paul's proverbial. Mm. You must have been having a really good breakfast, actually, Paul. You, you know, you got a whistling teapot and a, uh, a hot knife was... on a on a crumpet, hopefully. Well, well I, was, I, I was celebrating. You know, I was up on my feet. I was thinking, well, what are you all? It's dingles. We're off. Here we go. Let's have another brew. And then, and then Wednesday of... happened to you, and that's yeah. uh, and then we reverted back, and it was kind of like all of January and all the hard work that Yoss had put in with the uh, with the back five, as as it has been at times, back six against Middlesbrough, had all just evaporated, and we were just backing off, backing off, and they were riding challenges, and and that that goal was very very reminiscent of I think it was was it Burton's first or yeah Burton's first goal um, in the debacle um, at Hillsborough on New Year's Day, so you know this that mistake is one that we carry and it. It, it probably exposes it, and we'll come on to it when we talk about the derby game. I think that you know Wednesday can't be can't afford to be a team that sits back and just tries to defend this season because um, frankly we're just we're just not bloody good enough when it when it comes down to it, uh, coordination or otherwise. That was just it was pitiful defending. Do you think do you think that's a Wednesday thing? And I, I kind of like wrote down in my notes. You know, as long as I've been a fan, we've always done that. You know, we we can score. And you know, then we sort of go AWOL, we freeze, and we concede. I'm kind of curious if we're, we're because we we've done it, you know, through the generations. I just don't know whether that's just a, a footy thing and all teams do it, but I just know as a Wednesday fan, it's something we have in our bloody locker, and I wish we didn't. Yeah, I mean, there's the old adage in football, isn't there, that you're always most vulnerable straight after you've scored. So you know, I think that's more than just a Wednesday thing. Um, but Wednesday seemed to uh, to be pretty good at making the old adage come true more than most. Um, but you know, again, as we'll we'll come on to talking about midweek, they you know they tightened up significantly and and really kind of withstood that. So uh, that's just something that you know that that's got to come by being better drilled, better organised. And I think Paddy, you, you've got a really good point by talking about the you know, the changeover in terms of the centre back pairings or triplet, triplets. You know, if that's not properly coordinated, if they're not really in sync with one another, then you know one stays, one goes. That you know they're just not. They're not going to the player and not not challenging for the ball, and then uh, all hell breaks loose as it did on Saturday. So, despite all of this, we scraped out a point. Um, not to mention, scraped out a point while playing a bunch of youth, which has been yeah, kind of the trend for Josh. And in fact, Thornley just signed a a new contract recently. Um, do you think just the fact that we were able to scrape out a point and play well kind of led to uh, the, the positive result at Derby. It was it was a pretty boring second half, wasn't it? Really, I mean, it petered out for both both teams. Um, I mean, I think again, I think you know, Barnsley probably created the better chances. I think while just from memory, Wildsmith pulled off two notable saves second half. Um, I can't remember Wednesday threading to be perfectly honest. I think you know, maybe as the game wore on, we maybe got a bit more into it. Maybe just looked a little bit more composed, a bit more confident. Yeah, well, Reach had that top chance, and Reach, Reach had a chance, which uh, we had shot on target with Reach, which was kind of like a half chance. Uh, Wallace thought... came quite close with the benefit. Uh, well, Wallace had a good curler, didn't he, that, that yeah. just flashed past the uh, the post. That that was true. But, uh, you know, over the balance of the game, Barnsley, I think, edged it. Um, but, yeah, we, we mucked it out. And, you know, there was a point on the uh, where David Jones, our new uh, new centre-back star, uh, Paddy's favourite player, you know, he, he went off concussed. No. And, uh, <laughs> God, no. You know, the next thing, you know, you've got Nielsen coming on and, uh, and Jack Stobbs on the pitch as well. So, you know, it, it's it, we're, we're playing with the real scraps of 
our squad as the season started and that's no disrespect to them because I think they're covering themselves in glory for the performances that they're putting in the shifts that they're putting in frankly but you know the idea that we'd have Nielsen Stobbs you know John Thornley on the pitch um, in a in a game at this point in the season six months ago would just have been unthought of so yeah I, I think probably did have to give us some positivity going into the midweek but uh, it kind of felt like we'd scraped a point to be perfectly honest I think it was the quality with um, with the kids coming through you know um, I've been very impressed you know I think we were all quite nervous but it, there is a degree of, of quality coming through from our and you know we have to remember these are all our our academy uh, boys coming through I think what, what one of the tweets I thought was interesting from I think it was Steve Turner that said uh Something like you know, not wanting to kind of slag off, you know, Van Aken, but you know, if if we did go through two hundred defenders, as was widely reported, to find him, um, you know, and spend a lot of money on him, when we had all these guys um, already at Middlewood Road, you know, it just sort of makes you think about uh, what was going on under Carlos, right? Well, let's move on to more positive matters. Excuse me, Tuesday. We traveled to Derby, if you are from the United States. Derby, if you are not. And what a contrast. Positive setup. I think everyone can kind of agree that uh, we were pleased with with how Josh lined guys up. Right, James? It, I mean, and, and this is why I'm, I'm not sure you can draw a continuity between the two games. Because the way we set up on, on Tuesday night was, was just a complete step change really you know all of a sudden and, and we have to give credit to Lukai here he he saw something in Derby that that said he was going to put a much much more positive team out you know um obviously Zhao and uh, and Rhodes up top but but more importantly I think it was that midfield three of of reach in the center and uh, Pelopesi and, and Sean Clare making his debut which made a huge difference not to mention uh Jack Hunt and uh and George Boyd in the wingback positions it, it we just simply we had pace and we had drive in the midfield for pretty much the first time I can remember this season. Um, and we, we took the game to them. <laughs> it was, and to be honest, I was caught completely off guard. I mean, that, that's um, practically true as well, because I was about five minutes late for my rare hosting duties down at the football factory for the uh, for the New York Owls. But uh, incidentally, we were stood up by the same person who stood Paddy up for the uh, the Barnsley game. So at least there was some continuity there. Um, but yeah, we were we were positive. We were attack-minded. And, and like I say, you know, every time we were getting the ball, we were driving forward. You had, you know, Reach really making inroads as he's been doing individually. But he was back to it with Sean Clare doing the same thing. Pelopesi probably having his best game, I think, for us since he's joined. And you know, with the nous and and the skill of uh, of George Boyd and uh, and Hunt on the on the wings as well, it, it was just a totally different feel to the game. And that was before you know everything really took off as um, as we got our uh, our strikers into the match. So on the agenda, it says the JWoww show. Now I'm not sure I've heard that term before. Is that something? Is that something new, or did that come from somewhere? Because I'd like to. Name. I'd like to. Wow. I'd like to trademark J dash wow and start putting it on shirts if I could. <laughs> um, but Jow, you know what? Joao, what a great, uh, a great performance, and he looked comfortable. You know, we talked in a, an earlier podcast about Jao and maybe one of his first goals. I think it was in a cup match, maybe against Arsenal, perhaps, where you know he scored a goal and he he ran to the corner with his thumb in his mouth and. Just looked like that that big, confident European striker. 
And I don't think we've seen him that confident until until Tuesday, Luke. Mm, yeah, no, he he definitely showed uh, he definitely showed the the player that we thought we had a few years ago. You know, hasn't gone away entirely. Um, I also want to give Hunt a lot of credit for the for the touch in in the box that he got to set Joao up for his first goal. Because if you go back and watch that again, it's I mean that that it's it's practically going out of bounds and he just manages to like scoop it back and no one is anywhere nearby him. Joao has all the time in the world to just bounce that ball right in front of the goalkeeper, right into the net. Um, his second goal is, is a lot of, is very similar too. He gets enough space. He bounces the ball like, you know, three, four feet, maybe a meter in front of the line. And that just befuddles the keeper. He can't get down quick enough. Um, and that's, uh, I think that's, I think that's the technique that we've known that he's had. He just hasn't shown it much. Yeah, you know, I think that first goal, it really, it goes back to the formation. And it goes back to guys just being in the right spot, doing exactly what they're supposed to do. You know, uh, Hunt, he, he came forward. He played the ball where he was supposed to, right, to to Zhao, who was kind of in behind um, Rhodes, who I think naturally they should kind of play on top of each other. Um, it's kind of, kind of a weird way to put it, isn't it? Um, but, but anyway, Rhodes needs to be forward in case, you know, Hunt can play that ball across, but he couldn't. And he just tapped it back to Zhao and, and they were just in the perfect spot and it was beautiful soccer. Um, but overall, I think there are plenty of people that we can, uh, that we can praise on the day, Patty. Oh yeah. It was like, uh, James said earlier on, there's just a lot more drive, uh, a lot more fights, a lot more pace. Uh, Palmer, sorry, Hunt uh, over Palmer on that right-hand side is just a different uh, entity. Uh, Palmer doesn't have the attacking option or pace that Hunt does. He wouldn't have been in position to get the ball to Joao. He'd have been like 20 yards further back and Reach saw Hunt make the run, played a fantastic ball to Hunt, uh, and then he laid it off for Joao. So I think with Hunt fit, he should be our starting right-back all the time. Uh, again, I want to agree with James. Pelopetti had his best game for us. He offers much more than Jones and Butterfield as a shield for that back three. But he's still, I think he's still got a little bit of um, uh, catching up to do as far as his pace and letting him, letting uh, passing let him down quite a bit. Uh, he dawdles on the ball quite, but quite a bit. I think he's just not used to the pace of the game in the championship yet. But you'll, you'll get there. I know you will get there. I think he's a good player. Uh, Reach, again, to me, is a man of the match again for me. Uh, he's our new Kieran Lee. And uh, it's weird saying that because... Kieran Lee's not dead, although it feels like he might be. Uh, but he's box-to-box now. He's, he's, he picks up the ball in his own half, and he'll run until he gets to the 18-yard box. Uh, and he'll shot, and he'll, he'll pass it off. He's, he's the new Kieran Lee for us. Without him this season, we would be in relegation zone. As simple as that. I've got, to, I've got to interject for a second, Paddy. What about that ball that Reach played into Hunt for the first goal? Oh, yeah, it was great. It was amazing. Unbelievable. Goal. I mean, someone said it was like watching you know, Andrea Perlo in his pomp. Um, <laughs> and it... It, they're not far wrong. I mean, it, the the vision to pick out the run from Hunt and then just the nonchalant way he wallops it up the field is uh, is just absolutely beautiful. Um, he doesn't get enough credit in my mind, Reach. I think you know he's having an outstanding season and a really stinker of a season for the rest of the squad. Yeah, it's true. And, and give uh, Clary's credit too. He, he looks a little bit um, a little bit kind of lost in the first half. I thought, yeah, it's a few little a few little runs. Before his debut, um, he grew into the game quite a lot, I thought, and tried to make stuff happen. Uh, definitely uh, is more exciting to watch than Butterfield or Jones, so give me Sean Clare over them to any day. 
So I think overall, that, that three in the, in the midfield of uh, Reach and Pelvesi and, and Claire with Boyd and Hunt on the, on the wing worked really well. And in contrast to the formation, the way he set up against Barnsley, this actually excited me. And it actually came off on the pitch too. And before I hand it over to somebody else, I want to shout out Rhodes because I think it was his best game he's played for us in a while because he was everywhere. He, he dropped deep to get the ball. He had great touch. He laid the ball off. The, the thing we need to improve upon is once he lays the ball off, he makes the runs, but no one's finding him. So they must work on that in the training. And we talked about Pudio moving out to the uh, to the far left and um, playing some some left back, and he did that. And I'm uh, just curious what you guys think of um, how he played. You know, we inserted Luvens, and I know when I brought up Pudio going out to the left, um, the biggest uh, objection was that Luvens would have to head back to the center. So, uh, what do you guys think of Pudio out there on the left? Well, he's more of a left center half, wasn't he? So. Uh, I think he looks solid. I think um, with him and Leuvens and Venancio, uh, we actually looked pretty good uh, on Tuesday. Leuvens, again, I've been his biggest critic this season, but he actually had a decent game on Tuesday. Um, the other thing that worries me about those three together is the lack of pace. But at least Poodle's throwing himself about. Yeah, I thought I'd say with Poodle, actually. Um, I think a couple of weeks ago, Evan, you asked a similar question. I said, no, I think he's got to go back to, to kind of that left wing back position. And, um, you know, maybe we bring uh, Van Aken back in there. But it's another one where I've got to eat my words. I think he's he's you know, he's demonstrated reliability and fight in the last month. And, and I thought he looked really solid on, uh, on Tuesday night. And actually, conversely, it gave an outlet for George Boyd to play, you know, unusually on the left-hand side. Um, I think you know a few people raised eyebrows and didn't quite understand why he wasn't playing the right. But um, he, he, I thought, was really you know it wasn't spectacular, but his his class and his touch and his time on the ball really kind of showed us a, a different type of, uh, of you know of, of quality that we need in the in the squad. Um, so I'm I'm actually really warming to Padil as the left of the three centre backs. So we saw it out, we shut him down, and Paul, we haven't heard from you in a while. And I'm curious, especially after Tuesday, uh, what your thoughts on Joss are so far? Well, I think, um, I mean, I think that, you know, what I've been feeling is, you know, this guy's very, very different to Carlos, you know. I mean, he's um, he's a very, very understated, quiet, logical, you know, kind of Germanic Dutchman, right? It's it's the absolute antithesis almost of the, the kind of, you know, Hispanic Portuguese passion. So, you know, I've been kind of very slowly building um, an understanding of his approach, and and I have to say, I'm I'm beginning to be you know very impressed. I like what I see in his lineups. I like his approach. I like how he won't be drawn by the media. I'm being very impressed with his, as I say, sort of Germanic Dutch logic. You know, and he's slowly, obviously, building his understanding of the championship, the country, even his even his bloody English seems to be getting like remarkably better every, every, you know, media opportunity. So, you know, I'm, I'm very impressed with how he's making so much from limited resources. You know, um, we've got no first team players almost, you know, we're really patched together and I, I do see momentum and, and I think we're building um, confidence in him, you know, from the playing team uh, players. And uh, I think I've, I, I kind of saw a moment when he celebrated 
you know, that that first league win, you know, to see how he actually did show a little bit of that sort of Hispanic passion. And he did leap about and celebrate. So I was very pleased to see that. It's sort of a glimpse of how he's becoming kind of really connected to our club, you know, and I, I hope that continues. Um, you know, but I, I, I was very impressed and I'm very, very happy for him to, to get that win, particularly against Derby. And I think that, you know, they're flying high. Whether they had a great night, I don't know. Uh, but it was lovely to, for him to get that win uh, against a high-flying team. All I was going to add was that, obviously, Scott Carson let the two goals in because he's a Wednesday night, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got to say something on the back of that because uh, that was the uh, the main topic of conversation in the second half down the football factory, which is uh, I've, I've got a massive soft spot for Scott Carson. And I was trying to remember. I, th- I think he was only at Hillsborough for a month, wasn't he? Before he was recalled, was it by Liverpool that we uh, we had him on loan from in the mid two thousands? Um, I, I can't remember exactly what the details I were. Can't I can't remember. Got, I probably got the timing completely wrong. But I don't think I've ever been as impressed by seeing a goalkeeper at Hillsborough who had such a command of his entire half. Um, I remember just kind of. I think I was sat somewhere crazy, like the grandstand in the South Stand. You could hear him bellowing across the entire pitch. You know, it was one Wednesday. We were kind of down on our arse and we'd uh, we'd had to loan a, an emergency goalkeeper and we got this premiership class uh, keeper who was you know on the verge of the England squad at the time I just I, I remember thinking he was just the absolute bee's knees of goalkeepers and we couldn't hang on to him we couldn't pay his wages we couldn't get him back for the second month or whatever it was but yeah I don't know if he is a Wednesday night but um, I, I hope he's got a soft spot for us because I've got a soft spot for him I think he is because I remember I remember he was our player and, and it I think he went on loan to Charlton because I remember going down to Charlton to see see us play and obviously being in the away way end right behind him, he was playing for Charlton and they all of our fans were just constantly jibing him about being a Wednesday fan. All the singing was all about like Carson being a Wednesday fan. Uh, it, it was classic. Um, at one point, he did actually turn around and give a little wry smile. So it was, I think, as, as far I've. I actually looked it up tonight to see if I could find anything, you know, where he'd said anything. There isn't anything out there, but I'm pretty, pretty sure he is. So we will take a quick break. And when we come back, an interview with another USA owl. This guy, this time from Chris in Chicago. We'll be right back. Now on the line, we have our Chicago Al, Chris Pennant, who has a funny story about his first trip to Hillsborough earlier this year. But Chris, thanks so much for joining us. And as we start most interviews, we'll start with what are you drinking? Oh, uh, nothing right now, unfortunately. It's only it's 7 o'clock on a school night, you know, so to speak, so... I, I do have some Icelandic beer in the fridge, but I've got to go out a little later for Rilla, to coach Rilla every practice, so I am not drinking anything at the moment. So I, I want to ask. <laughs> I want to ask Rilla Darby. I want to ask about Rilla Darby. First of all, you coach Rilla Darby, right? Yep. Yeah, I've been doing that for about five years now. I've been announcing Rilla Derby for eight years. That's cool. So can you explain to our uh, people back at home what uh, Rolo Dabby is? Okay, so it's it's cool because I was just, that's that's why I was over in England uh, for the Rolo Derby World Cup. So it's, I mean, people probably saw it back in the day on TV where they had the wooden bank track and all the fights and everything. But 
what you play now is on a flat surface, usually put tape down or something to mark the edges. And it's a big oval that's kind of angled if you look at it from overhead. And you got teams of, of five on the track at one time, all going in the same direction, skating counterclockwise around this oval. One of the players on those five for each team is the point scorer, and they wear a cap on their, their helmet with a star on it. So it'd be the the goal is to get more points than the other team, and you're trying to fight past the other four on the other team that are you know play defense for you, and then they try to open up holes for their offense for their for their point scorer. It's called the jammer. So the jammer if if the jammer can get through the opposing team once, then they're legal, legally without elbowing anyone or going outside the going out of bounds and then coming back in ahead of anyone then they can score points on the next one. Every every player that you lap, every player that you pass on the other team is a point. Right. So like I, was, saying, I was lost until that point. Yeah. So you yeah. get points by lapping <laughs> other people, correct? Yeah, that's how it goes. Awesome. And there's a World Cup of this. Say again? There's a World Cup of roller derby that you were at last, last week, was it? Yep, yeah, it was the um, the original World Cup. You know, some people call it the Women's World Cup. We had one of our announcers saying it's like, you know, uh, roller derby was rejuvenated by women in 2005. So he calls that the women. He calls that the World Cup. So we were in Manchester for that. That was the first weekend of February. Uh, USA beat Australia, and then the Men's World Cup is going to be in Barcelona at the beginning of April, I think. That's awesome, Patty. Patty, you said. Well, for him, or you asked him to explain it to people back home, but that was enlightening for me as well. <laughs> I was gonna say, man, yeah. One of uh, one of the guys who's from around Chicago, who's on the the Owls Americas group, Brian Brian Greenspan. I I caught a photo of him on Facebook. He used to coach roller derby. I asked him about it. It's a big That's thing. Sweet. It's fun. We should There's start a, start a Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday derby, <laughs> roller derby <laughs> club. Hey, there's a, there's a team. In, there's a team in Sheffield. Um, a few of their players were on the West Indies roller derby team, so I got to say hi to them. Wait, there's a roller derby team in Sheffield where some of the players are playing for the West Indies roller derby team in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember. Um, I'd have to go back and check my rosters that we had for, for announcers. But I saw it, and I, I, was, I was really happy because that's – it kind of fed into how I got started as being a Sheffield Wednesday fan in the first place. It was, it was okay, really serendipity like that. Yeah, it's a great segue. So let's go back to the original. Let's go back to the first question you asked somebody. Because <laughs> I mean, that was, I mean, first of all, I want to get to know more. I could talk to you all night about Royal Derby. But um, secondly, how did you become a Sheffield Wednesday fan, Chris? So it was after the 2010 World Cup. And I, I played soccer when I was a kid, uh, without a doubt. Because it was my mom put me in. She, I think she, I think she just didn't want me playing football. But she knew I liked sports, and I liked soccer. But once I got to high school, I, I kind of went off of it. But that 2010 World Cup was, uh, I thought it was phenomenal, and it re, I just, I was back in. I wanted to follow a soccer team, so I didn't want to jump on anybody like too popular bandwagon, anything like that. So it, it took me a while. I didn't want to go for Arsenal or, or Manchester. I never wanted to go for Manchester United. I will say this to my dying breath that I hate Wayne Rooney. I can't stand that dude. So I was just looking. I was looking through teams. 
And I thought to myself, it was like, what's going to attract me to a team? So my dad was Jamaican and I had gotten on this crazy cricket kick. Um, I, I found a, a great DVD. If you ever get to watch fire in Babylon, it's amazing. So I was looking through and I found Sheffield Wednesday. And so they originally started as the Wednesday cricket club. And I thought that was really cool. And that was when they had Jermaine, like Jermaine Johnson was, I think in his last year, second to last year with the club in 2010 or 2011. And that really just kind of sold it for me. And I, I love the history of the club, of course, and Hillsborough and all the other just the amazing facts about it. But it was Jermaine Johnson and the history behind the cricket behind Wednesday. So that's what pulled me in. That's quite a unique uh, combination of cricket and Jamaican, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's great, man. So you, so you started fighting after the 2010 World Cup, was it? Or did you get, get into him a little bit later than that? No, it was it was a little bit after. I remember, um, I think, I can't remember the first match I listened to. I think it was a, naturally a draw. But I was, I remember, I was I was in Central Illinois at the time and I was trying to scramble and trying to figure out how to listen to the game on my computer. And I found the BBC Sports site, like I stayed up all night. And then I realized that she had to go through a paywall to get to the to get to the match. And then, I think a few weeks after that, I I, I got onto the to the Wednesday site. And I, before before it was I before I followed, I got the match. I w- I wish I could remember who they played and how it was going, but it's it was a little while after the 2010 World Cup finished up. I think it was like I said, the fall 2011, maybe the winter was my first time first time listening to a, to a match. That's quality. Um, and me and you have been in touch over Twitter for years now. I remember when I first died in New York, I was, you were one of the people who got touched over Twitter from Chicago. Um, so I, I know you've been following for a long time since then. Um, Chicago, obviously a rich sporting city. Um, and there's a few Chicago hours. Like you mentioned one earlier one about uh, roller derby. Are, are you, um, you're down as one of the city reps, right, Christopher? Yeah, yeah. No, I just signed up. I figured it was, it was, I thought it was a good idea. I want to get more involved. And it's funny, there's actually a place not too near me that's a um, place called Pleasant. If you ever go to Chicago, there's a place called Pleasant House on just, just like near South Side. But they're, I don't know if it's their owners or the original, you know, the bartenders or something, but they're not only they're a UK side place, like they do pies and uh, mash and bangers and all that. But they're a Yorkshire style place. Like they have a plaque or they have a um, a plaque over the bar. And I went with my my girlfriend, and we were trying to figure out what it said. And it was it was um, do it do it out with the sense. And we were like, whoa, this is this is wild. This is the Yorkshire spot. <laughs> so I want to try and get them to show matches because I, I asked them and say, well, if it's if it gets popular, then we'll show it. You know, a big really big match, but. Having a Yorkshire place down the street, it just felt like I should take the jump and, and represent for the city. That's good stuff, man. I mean, it's awesome. And we appreciate the support as well. You know, we we're happy to, to expand out of America. We have quite a few people there, so hopefully we can get some meetups set up. Uh, on the topic of watching, though, um, who were some guys that, that you've really liked? You already mentioned Johnson, but uh, some guys that you've been attracted to here in the last few years. I tried to follow Mikhail Antonio since he's gone up to West Ham and, and kept moving up. He was he was a fun player to watch. And I think 
I shouldn't have been so surprised when he left because he had that upward trajectory. But I mean, Forestieri, I've missed Forestieri so much. He can get, he can play young sometimes, you know, just get a little bit too, too individual where you it's like, Hey, you don't need to, you know, you can shoot, you can pass that or you don't need to be too flashy, Fernando, but I've loved watching Forestieri play. Barry Bannon is great. <laughs> Barry Bannon is an all-time player for that, that I've gotten to see in soccer. He, he controls the midfield like you'd want a midfielder to control. And, and uh, Lucas Zhao is my favorite player right now. He, got to, he scored when we went. So I remember I said there wasn't a total washout because I've, he, he's gotten – he's been a bit – he hasn't been as flashy as he might have wanted. And sometimes he gets the ball taken off him too, maybe too easily, but he's got skill. I love watching Lucas Zhao play. And then Ken, Ken Westwood, my guy. (laughs) Nice. Uh, so let's talk about your trip to Hillsborough then, Chris. We had, we need to record this before we started recording, but we want to get it in the context of the conversation now. So you, this is your first visit to Hillsborough last, was it last week? It was two weeks ago now. That was the third. The third trip to Hillsborough you've been to. So ex- um, No, no, I mean, it was uh, February 3rd. February 3rd. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It was your first trip to Hillsborough on February 3rd against Birmingham City. Um, can you tell our listeners the horrendous day that unfolds in front of you? <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. Ah, we So I, I worked it out with our, our tournament head at the World Cup. That so there, I mean, it was a full slate of games. But she knew that people were coming, and she's like, hey, if there's something that you want to do, just let me know, and I'll schedule around it. So I had the first two, first two games of the day, and then we had to we had to end up taking an Uber from where we were in Trafford Park, not, not too far from Old Trafford, to the uh, Pic- Manchester Piccadilly Station. And our drivers racing us through all this traffic, and my girlfriend and I are looking at each other kind of worried, like, hey, we don't want to miss this train. So we do get to the train station we're running in, and she looks at the first one that says Sheffield. It turns out that was the, the East Midlands, like the slow train to Sheffield instead of the express. So we end up getting there at three ten instead of two thirty. And then we had to take another cab up to Hillsborough <laughs> out to Ollerton. So by the time we get there, it's about a half hour past kickoff. It's rainy. <laughs> it's everything you could possibly want. Yeah. And we get to, we were on the, we were on the cop. We went to the cop entrance, but the steward sent us all the way around the back, which, I mean, we got to go, we got to go over the river, which was cool. We got to see the entrance, but we, we went all the way around. We ended up on the West stand. We ended up under the Birmingham supporters uh, stands. And I, I thought I heard a cheer when we were walking in. So I said, okay, well, maybe that's a good sign. And we walk in and it's two nil and we're down to 10 because of course, Matthias, that great shooting star of soccer, of, of football skill, has somehow gotten himself sent off. <laughs> and now we got to endure this. You're walking to yep, Hillsborough for yep, the first time ever. 2 0 down <laughs> and Ben 10 <10-man. laughs> All the way from Chicago. Welcome I mean, wait, this is, it's that kind of a season. I, sh- I wasn't, I really shouldn't have been as, as upset or, or as sad as I was because it's been that kind of a season. You know, the whole first team's out. Finally came in at the 70th minute, I think. And I had no idea who he was. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. So did, wait, so you got in through the West End. They let you into the cop, though, into your seats, I assume, right? 
No, we ended up sitting on the um, we well, we did end up sitting on the west stand. We didn't end up sitting in the in the south stand. But we it was we got Aaron, my partner. She asked me, "Where do you want to sit?" Because she bought these tickets for as a Christmas present. And I said, "Well, do you want to sit on the cop?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, of course. It's like it's iconic." And so we end up sitting about as far as you can get <laughs> from the cop end. So we were just right in the, the corner of the of the West End. Oh, mate. This sounds horrible. I'm sorry. Uh, at least you saw a goal, I suppose. It's a rare, rare, rare circumstance. No, I mean, we got to go. And I love sports anyway. I, If she hears this, I mean, she knows that I... I put a damper on things. I was really out of sorts and I shouldn't have been, but you look back on the trip and it's Hillsbury, you know, it's who, I don't know any of my friends really who support Arsenal or Newcastle or, or Man U or anyone other than maybe a couple who, who already weren't, I went to college with and then they moved back to the UK or they went back to England who've gotten to see their, their, their team play in their home ground. I got to do that. That's that's amazing. Yeah, despite the um, result, I'm I'm very jealous because I've not been able to make a trip over there. So that's awesome. And how how was the roller derby uh, World Cup overall then? It is. It was amazing, and I'll be talking about it for years. I mean, it's roller derby does take a lot of of patience to try and figure things out. Once you figure out how the game is played then if you're really into sporting, um, then you try to analyze, and that can take even longer, just figuring out how this penalty and how that was called. But it was a great show of sportsmanship, of style, of flash, and of just some great athleticism. The, the New Zealand team, uh, Aotearoa, they did a haka before their first their first bout. And you know, whenever you see a New Zealand team do that, it's, it's breathtaking. And then of Scotland and Wales had, they had a rivalry going from the first day to the last day. And they, they ended up playing a rematch on Sunday and their fans were into it from the first to the final whistle. The USA Australia match was, was excellent. Uh, USA has been the USA has won the last, they won their third world cup and the sport was born in the USA, you know? So they've been great for, Years, 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 years. But Australia had them, they really pushed them. And I think it's going to be, there's going to be a change in the sport. It's not going to be a USA sport anymore. It's like basketball, the 04 Olympics when uh, USA ended up getting bronze or, or silver and Argentina, I think, took it. If there's going to be a change at the next World Cup, I'm excited to see it. At least with an American sport, you actually do take it to the countries to actually play a world tournament, not just claim it's the world tournament like in baseball or in basketball or in right. football. Yeah. Right. The World Series that's not. No, no. It's, um, I mean, it's gotten so global that there's teams. There was a good article in the New York Times about uh, player, women who were playing in Egypt, and they had a great picture. There's, there's women, in, uh, some women in hijab, some, some not with secondhand equipment that's been donated from around the world playing underneath the lights of this giant stadium out in Egypt. It's, it's a game that brings a lot of camaraderie and that's why it's gotten so popular because you have, you know, 15 or 20 with the, the way that the team form, it's basically a big organization and every, everything's do it yourself. So 
promotion and marketing and uh, recruiting, bringing new people in, those are the same people that go out on Saturday or Sunday or whenever and they're playing and they're, they're out there hitting each other. I thought it makes it a lot of fun. What kind of crowds do you get from them? It used to, it definitely used to be bigger when uh, the sport was novel. There was um, some teams in, in New York, I think they used to draw a couple, like a couple thousand, three thousand at nights, and we used to do that in Chicago before I got here. Now it's closer to, I think on Saturday for our, for our home team season, we're going to maybe get a thousand or fifteen hundred into where we play. But uh, I think I think the ticket numbers for the whole weekend, for definitely for the first day of the World Cup, were like five, six thousand maybe. That's great. That's great, man. I mean, it's not it's it's not on the level of some other things for sure, but it's it's a dedicated fan base. We'll put it that way. Right. Good stuff. Well, that was very. Very enlightening. I, I know a few people that play some like club recreational roller derby around here, but that's uh, good to hear it on a large scale. So, last question. Uh, it's been a rough season, but I'm curious to hear your overall thoughts. You've gotten into some stuff, but uh, what do you think of the season so far and the, the job Joss has done turning things around or attempting to? Uh, when I've gotten the, when I've gotten to see. What I've gotten to see lately, which hasn't been too often with that trip and with uh, just some other things going on, I like I like Josh. I really do. I think he's he's put a lid on some of the crazier things that have been going on. When I saw that letter from Mr. Chancery about, hey, you know, if you've gotten season tickets, we'll re- if you really want them refunded, we'll refund them. I was like, what is going on? This is just this is too much. This is a panic. But overall. I will I will never say that we should have pushed Carlos out the door considering where we had been before he came, where we were during his time here, and the fact that what what the saying is you don't you don't lose your job over injury and that's basically what happened. How many first teamers have been out all season long? How many guys who are potent goal scorers and creators have been out all season long? And so you can't blame the coach because of the fact that we're pulling guys in off of the street and we're putting players in positions that they're not usually in and expecting them to go out and contend for the top six right now. I, they should Wednesday on the whole should have been better this year for sure, but it's not, it was not Carlos's fault, but moving forward, I want to see what Josh can do. I like him as a manager. I like his, I like his even style. And they, they, they put in a win today. That counts for a lot. They put a they put a win on the score sheet. They got three points. Even if we're going to be fighting out of relegation, it's important. So I want to see how he does. I'm I'm more confident than I was going forward last week. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Well, hey, Chris, so thanks so much for joining you. And if, uh, if people want to reach out or follow you, where can they get you on the web? Um, I'm on Twitter at... it's. <laughs> It's an old improv name. It's Quandary Kitten. That's K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y and Kitten on on Twitter. I'm not on Instagram because I feel like my life is not that interesting. So Twitter's the main place to find me. I'll be on Saturday with a lot of the other Wednesday fans. (laughs) I told you, man. Um, 
So yeah, Twitter is the Twitter is the best place to find me. I'll link to anything that I if I write anything for any of the little bit of sports writing I do, it'll be linked there. Awesome. Thanks, mate. We'll speak soon. I appreciate you guys. Cheers. So let's uh, let's move on to some Wednesday news, shall we? Uh, we'll just kind of run through the list and get to the previews here in a minute. But how about an injury update? Anyone have a, an update on what's going on on the injury front? I've got some good news. What? Good yeah, news? Yeah, no. I, 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 just, I literally just read a tweet from Barry Bannon that said he was going home to watch the golf and to watch Celtic, you know, because that's what he does. Um, but also, he had a really good training session. So... Um, I'm, I'm for some reason I'm I'm going to start this segment with a positive and say that Bannon appears to be training pretty well and we know that Tom Lees is is kind of coming back as well. Unfortunately, everybody else is broken, but um, but yeah, Bannon's uh, Bannon's doing all right. Can we Speaking talk about the hilarity of Matthias? Uh, as we said last week, we were probably going to have his red card reviewed, so we we appealed <laughs> his red card, uh, and literally in the same breath that they announced that his red card had been rescinded. They announced that he's also injured for three weeks, which has to be the most, like, to sum up our season in one statement from the club, that has to be it. Are, are we sure they didn't just, like, tell him, like, oh, you, you're you out for the next two games, go ahead, take two weeks off, go do whatever you want to do, and he left. And they were like, oh, oh, the red card was rescinded. Uh, can you come back, please? And he was he's like, fair. no, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I already paid for this flight. See you guys. Because that's what I would do. He was definitely due an injury, wasn't he? He's been a good three games now without an injury, so you're probably right. Do you think he's just gone on vacation to see Fessy? Yeah, he's like, you know, well, he's been in Madrid for the last six months, so can I go and uh, hang out with him for a few weeks? Jeez. And speaking of injuries, um, one of our loanees has a torn ACL. Yeah, the uh, final destination, uh, we'll come and get you, doesn't... uh, doesn't um, abate even outside of the club. So uh, Sam Wynn, obviously, has come down with a, a torn ACL and he's out for the season. And it's a little bit, um, I don't know, I feel like a bit jealous of the Derby fans' relationship with Sam Wynn because they all really like him. And like he got loads of nice like messages afterwards. He said, thanks, guys. It's all like very lovey-dovey. And obviously, he obviously hates us. <laughs> Can I, uh, I mean, there's a horribly serious point, quite apart from the fact that, you know, for Sam Winnell, who's a professional footballer, he's, you know, it's a, a really devastating injury. It's going to take him a long time to come back from. But there's there's a couple of reactions to Winnell getting a, a devastating injury that I think have a real pertinence to the future of Wednesday. Um, one is the obvious point, which is that it doesn't look like he's going to be fit in the summer. Um, and I think it's probably a reasonable assumption that Wednesday we're expecting to be able to sell him in the summer. Um, whether that was to a derby that doesn't make it into the the Premier League, which, based on Tuesday night and, and derby's traditional spring form, is uh, is probably quite likely, um, or, or you know if they dig on probably get promoted to uh, to another Championship side, we, we aren't going to be able to make a profit on Sam Winnell uh, this summer as it stands, and that I think is is going to put a dint in our flexibility when it comes to financial fair play, which you know is is obviously a big hit given the form he'd been in. The, the other really interesting factor is that. You know, apparently he's insisting that he has his uh, his medical care and rehabilitation with Derby, um, which is very unusual for a player on loan. Obviously, you know, who typically, if they get a serious injury, they revert to their parent club. Um, and I don't know the ins and outs of that. I don't know, you know, the truth of, of the matter. But apparently, at this stage, you know, he is still with Derby for for at least the first part of his um, 
his rehabilitation and, and that does cast an interesting light on on the medical situation at Wednesday and the uh, the physio situation at Wednesday, which is obviously in flux. Um, so just you know a couple of watchouts for Wednesday there, one financial and one infrastructural, which we're we're going to have to keep a close tab on. So there's a call out to anyone that would like to throw their their Wednesday story at the club to be in a feature film. So does can anyone talk more about that? Yeah, I saw a, I just saw it on Twitter. I think I shared it on the WhatsApp group. I saw a tweet go out. Um, it looks quality, you know, some some fantastic stories. Some we we know, some, you know, some some that I, I didn't I didn't know so much about. Um, it looks like a quality production. Um, you know, we're all Wednesday, obviously with a fan focus. You know, and there's a call from the club and in the production company. I think that's asking for people to kind of join and, and tell their story. Uh, you know, obviously the reason I shared it on the I WhatsApp group was because I think we we're a story, right? I think you know, as a as a New York owl and as uh, as a member of the uh, you know the Owls Americas, I think that you know we could have a voice in that. Um, I'd love to I'd love to think that we could be part of a you know a, a movie that's being made about our club. Uh, but I really love the idea. I think, and it seems to be coming from the club. I don't know anymore. I don't know if any of you guys do, but I'm really, really excited about this. I think that you know, producing quality content like this is absolutely a, you know the way the way forward in kind of telling our story and uh, and all of those stories that make up the fan community that is of any football club. So I'm I'm really excited about this. I'd love to be part of it, and uh, I'd encourage anybody that's listening to this to think, you know, is it you? Is it somebody else you know? Where's those stories you know let's tell it let's let's put us on the world stage i think that's such a good point paul the the, um you remember that video that came out or that trailer that came out about a year and a half ago where they you know they had the owl flying down the eagle owl flying down from the south stand and how jazzed wednesday fans about that kind of made the hair in your back of your neck stand up i had that same feeling watching that trailer you know it was just really heartfelt personal stories about what it is to be a wednesday fan and the, the the journey the the uh, the pain and the suffering and the the highs and the the community that come from being a Wednesdayite, and yeah, I'm not going to say it's unique in, in comparison to other clubs. Other clubs have got their stories, but I think it's absolutely wonderful that we're going to try and tell that. I think there is a filmmaker involved, and, and the club are kind of you know trying to trying to sponsor and support that. But it could be an absolutely brilliant way to mark the 150th year. Um, and you know we're definitely going to get involved as Al's Americas. We're in touch, and we'll we'll be telling our story. But definitely encourage everybody who's listening to uh, to get involved in the same way. So the last bit of Wednesday news, Jordan Thornley signed a new contract. Was it uh, three years, I believe? And uh, wondering, who's next? We've seen a lot of young guys do some pretty good stuff. And, uh, you know, we have Stobzy doing well. And Claire just had a, a nice match. Who, who's next? Who's going to sign a, a long-term contract and uh, maybe become the next Jamie Vardy but staying home? I'd hope it'd be Sean Clare. Um, uh, well, all of the people he mentioned so far, like um, Sean Clare, Nielsen, and Stobbs, um, I'm not sure where they are on their contracts at the moment, but we should tie them down to professional uh, long-term ones. And uh, I think the, the boat has sailed on George Hurst, but I'll just throw his name in too for um, good measure. But that's the kind of business we want to be doing. We want to keep these uh, young prospects at the club rather than let them walk away like Mr. Hurst. All right, so 
Swansea. We've not previewed Swansea yet this year. We've previewed quite a few places. James, I'm going to leave this one up to you, my man. We already know what the stakes are. We already know who's going to be coaching Swansea on Saturday morning. On Fox Sports 1, by the way. Let's uh, let's get the rundown of Swansea from you, James. Yeah, there's a few familiarities that we'll uh, we'll pick up on in a second. Um, we 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 didn't really expect to be previewing Swansea. I mean, this is, this is our first foray to uh, to preview a Premier League town in the UK on the podcast, which is uh, which is an exciting opportunity. Unfortunately, I have to issue a disclaimer at this point, which is to say that I have uh, professional co- uh, connections with the city of Swansea. Um, which means that I'm I'm duty bound not to say anything too majorly offensive in the next uh, next two or three minutes. Uh, so I'm I'm going to try and give a, a fairly balanced view of uh, of Swansea as a place. Um, if you're completely clueless as to where it is, uh, it's because it's probably on one of the most far flung parts of Britain, uh, just as a starting point. So it's about as west as you can get as a city in in the UK, um, being on the uh, the end of Wales uh, or the end of South Wales more specifically takes about three and a half hours on a train to get there from London, even though it's about 150, 200 miles, uh, mostly because it goes around a lot of very uh, weird curves on the way after you get to Cardiff. Um, Swansea is the second city in Wales, uh, so Cardiff being the first, Swansea being the second, and as far as I'm aware, there's no third. Um, and in fact, Swansea only became a city in 1969, so uh, so not really exactly a, a lineage of, uh, of city status. Um, but it, it goes back an awfully long time. In fact, Swansea, uh, as it turns out, is a uh, an old Viking trading post uh, by uh, by historical legend. Um, uh, Swansea being derived from uh, Sven's Island or Svenai. Uh, there's a bit of debate uh, as to whether that means Sven's Island or Sven's Inlet, um, which I, I guess may be a, a, a Viking insult or a Viking uh, statement of pride. Um, but it's a it's a very proud city um, to pick up on the pride element. You know, South Wales is a a very kind of uh, well established and, and unique community in some respects in uh, in, in Great Britain, um, being an old industrial area, but uh, with a you know rich and proud mining and industrial heritage, which you know to a large extent has uh, like a lot of Britain decayed over the last 20, 30 years and, and not necessarily been replaced. The good news for Swansea is that. Um, you know, in the sort of the first revitalization, pretty much since the Swan, uh, since the Bronze Age, they've um, they've become a tiger economy, uh, not quite like Southeast Asia, but at least uh, the Tiger Bay economy, as uh, as was heralded uh, in the post two thousands era, um, which was so uh, so sort of um, exciting and uh, and a tourist destination and a, a site of uh, economic superiority for for the welsh uh, devolved uh, region that they uh, they made a soap opera out of it um so you know with a big uh, fanfare the tiger bay soap opera was launched um and i read the uh, the imdb uh, profile of this it said a soap opera concerning the lives and aspirations of the people of a welsh seaside town which is suffering for years uh, as the result of a recession but um Confidently predicted to make a, a comeback as the uh, the economy rebounds. Not only was it confidently predicted to make a comeback as a as a city, but this soap opera was confidently predicted to be the next great break, breakthrough British drama. Downton Abbey for the uh, for the mid two thousands. 
Uh, unfortunately, it ran to uh, 13 episodes before it was cancelled due to complete lack of interest. So I guess maybe Swansea has struggled to make it on the uh, on the international stage. But it does have a, uh, a football club, Swansea City FC, um, uh, I guess kind of taking their title from the 1969 City Act. Um, and actually, they're, they're quite a nice little club. They, you know, they've got a, a great community um, ethos. They're, uh, you know, the, the only club in the Swansea area, which is about half a million people, not dissimilar to size to Sheffield uh, in the city itself, not uh, far off a million in the, the wider area. Um, and they've, you know, they've they've done fantastically well over the last decade, really made it out of the championship and actually become the the preeminent team in Wales, much to the chagrin of Cardiff uh, up the bay. So um, we're, we're going to be playing a team that's, you know, been been in the Premier League really for the best part of the last seven, eight years. Um, they've had some ups and downs during that time, uh, been on a massive downer until about 12 games ago when they picked up a manager uh, who was who had just been cut loose from the Championship. Um, their fans weren't particularly impressed and said manager has now gone on a, uh, a near unprecedented uh, unbeaten run. Uh, apparently the best run of form they've had since 2009, 2010, in which they've I think, uh, well, they're undefeated in their last nine games, at least, and along the way have beaten teams such as Arsenal and Liverpool. So maybe it's a good point to uh, to stop and talk about who that manager is. Uh, I don't suppose anybody knows. Has he got a dream? Bob Bradley? Bob Bradley, that's right, yeah. <laughs> US soccer's greatest ever managerial export to South Wales. Uh I mean, to be fair, if you had to follow Bob Bradley as an act, it's, it's not a bad uh, uh, position to take, is it, I suppose? The people of Swansea have certainly taken to uh, to Carlos Carvajal, um, who uh, who is now repeating his trick of uh, of wooing the local population of a down-on-its-uppers uh, previously industrial town with his uh, Latin charm and not only bringing out phrases like put all the meat on the barbecue, which uh, apparently made its reappearance last week, um, but also uh, taking cakes and uh, Portuguese treats to the local media. So uh, he's definitely on a charm offensive, but, you know, good old Carlos. I guess he's um, he's probably justified given the results that he's managed to churn out. And, it, you know, if you think back to what he did in his first season with Wednesday, he's he's doing it on steroids to some extent with Swansea right now. You know, the, the, the way he's turned that squad around and got performances out of players like um, uh, Ayu and, uh, and Sam Klukas and, and others, you know, including the results against you know some of the, the top end Premier League teams, has been pretty damn impressive. Um, so Saturday brings him back to Hillsborough in, uh, in my opinion, far too soon terms. And and actually, I, I actually think that you know the biggest issue on Saturday is how the Wednesday fans re- receive him, as we were talking about last week. Well, we're not going to miss this week's, or I guess next week's midweek match, as we face Millwall, one of my least favorite teams. I think. A lot of people will uh, could agree with me there. And James, do you want to do you want to take it away on Millwall as well? No, not really. We've uh, we've talked a lot about Millwall uh, in previous episodes, so let's just uh, let's just skip that. I think. Um, I, it's I, a beautiful actually, place. I was almost in Millwall last week. I was in uh, Bermondsey, which is pretty much where Millwall is. And um, Paul was sending me messages like, you know, watch out for yourself. <laughs> don't nerd. Uh, don't take anything out of your pockets, you know, get an Uber there, get out, get back in. It was actually very nice. It was sort of like a gentrified East Village in Manhattan. So uh, so something's going on in Bermondsey. But the big news is that one of our members is actually going to the Millwall game next Tuesday, I believe, Mr. Mr. Patrick Jones. I am. You know what? I think it actually might be my um, most visited away ground. I mean, think about this. This is the third time I've been to the New Den, which is weird, isn't it? Because it's probably the most hostile place to go to. 
Uh, but I do enjoy it. It's always fun. And um, I'll always remember the time when we scored as they were celebrating, thinking they yeah. scored. So, so that I, was believe the... I was there as well. It was quality, wasn't it? I, I'm, I'm with you, Paddy, as well. I, it, it's an awful place to go, but I've had some fantastic away games <laughs> down there. It's been hilarious, right? Burnt cars and like fans trying to kill you and like Lee Bullen in goal and scoring goals like that. It was just, it's, it's one of my fondest memories of uh, being in the bloody country, I think, the, the new den. Not necessarily the fondest yes, exit we... after you've beaten Millwall, is it, though? Uh, Paddy, do we need to kind of give you any safety advice? You know, do, do you need any kind of flat jackets or anything before you take off on uh, on uh, Sunday night? Well, we're going to go in numbers. That's that's the, that's the tactic. We're going to go in numbers. Uh, we've got a few of us meeting up in London Bridge before and for beers. Give me a shout-out if you want to meet up for beer and say hello. Um, and part of the protection brigade for the New York Owls, if you want to so, uh, come and join us. I think we've got to say hello to uh, to friend of the pod, uh, Andy McElwain, actually, who I think is uh, is coordinating things for you. So he, he's he's got local knowledge. I'm sure he'll uh, he'll keep you safe. Uh, but if Paddy doesn't come back to us, we uh, you know we can't say we didn't warn you. <laughs> I'm an expert now. I've been it's my third time. Well, enjoy your trip to the Lions Den. Any other business before we wrap up tonight? Yes. I've got a few things. So, uh, first of all, the uh, there is going to be two meetups uh, for the Swansea game in the FA Cup, despite being a 7.30 kickoff on the Eastern Coast. Um, we are meeting up in New York uh, at the Football Factory. Uh, I expect you all to be there rather than last week when it was me on my own. And, um, was it literally you on your own? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, some tourists turned up. No thanks to you guys, all in warm brews and bloody buttered crumpets and Enjoying your lions. I had to go to Manhattan and it's dark and it's cold and it's horrible, but I'm not bitter. Don't worry about it. It's all right, Paddy, because some of us aren't just as naive as you are about the likelihood of certain members of the New York Owls to turn up for a game. He pinky swore. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, it, it was clear from the chat the night before that was not actually going to happen. And we actually <laughs> pointed that out to you. So it's not anyone's fault than your own, mate. Let, let, <laughs> let's make this clear for our listeners. I think we need to just paint a picture here. Paddy went out late night drinking with a notoriously unreliable member of the New right. York House who is currently under house arrest <laughs> and about to leave the country. <laughs> He's trying to sell a chest of drawers today or give away a chest of drawers today. It's Dominic. It's Dom, Dom Anybody who takes that chest of drawers, there's stuff in the drawers. Don't take the chest of drawers. We're outing Dom Tata, who's the most unreliable man in the world. He's coming to take Twickenham in London. So London Owls, beware of Dom Tata. But uh, yes, I'll go back into my meetups. Um, hopefully someone will join me tomorrow, uh, Saturday even. Um, and then in New Orleans, they're also meeting up. Even though it's a 6.30 kickoff for them, they'll be at Finn calls. Uh, we should also well, add, Paddy, that we are planning to meet up for the Millwall game as well. Uh, although that technically is on the basis that Dom is turning up. So, uh, so don't plan on it, people. Are you, oh, oh, right, so in New York, while I'm away, are you doing the hosting, uh, hosting on the most again? Uh, I'll be donning my, uh, my pinafore and, uh, and, and making sure that everybody has drinks. Awesome. So yeah, Millwall Tuesday Football Factory. Uh, James is hosting there, so go to that too. Um, that's the only Millwall uh, meetup that I know of, actually. So uh, just in New York. We would like to thank also. Uh, we've had some uh, new city reps join us as well. So um, thank you to Darren Housham uh, for representing Vancouver, to Stephen Peck who's representing Fort Wayne, Indiana. Elliot Liddell in Cincinnati, which is good for us to know uh, um, Evan, because we're going to Cincinnati very soon uh, on holiday together, like we do. Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> Elliot will be in touch around April to have a meetup in Cincinnati. Put that on your diaries, kids. Uh, so yeah, the city reps were launched a couple of weeks ago. We're constantly adding more people. Check owlsamericas.com to find out your nearest city rep. Uh, email us at owlsamericas at gmail.com if you want to rep your city uh, and help out other Owls fans uh, find matches. And, and Paddy, can we just confirm, is our uh, is our latest follower on Twitter also potentially signing up as a city rep? Um, <laughs> I'd just like to give a shout out to uh, at sexpartyswingers.com. <laughs> I'm not sure what they're representing, but it certainly isn't a city for us. Yep, so you can find them at sexpartyswingers <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, I haven't Evan, followed back yet. Evan, what, what was that, Evan? Can you repeat that? Sorry, I wasn't listening. Yes, at... at Sex party swingers on Twitter. They're not paying us for this promotion, okay. by the way. They're not other than following no. us on Twitter. We will, we will never take money from these people. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speak for yourself, speak for yourself. And by the way, Stephen Peck, if you're listening, I'm only an hour away, so uh, we're gonna have to meet up at some point. Maybe not for a 7:30 a.m. start, but uh, 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 let's get together. Anyway, Evan, Evan, I hate to ask you, but that was a very awkward segue. We we trying to send a coded <laughs> message. <laughs> so you're away with some sex party swinging. The, that's a different uh, kind of meetup. That's a very was, different kind of meetup. The timing was intentional. Mm. So let's mm. sign off. I'm Evan. He's not called Peck for anything. Ohio Owl on Twitter. That was good. I like that. Well done. <laughs> I can't even speak. <laughs> Patty, uh, tell us about you. Hi, Evan. How are you doing? Uh, oh, <laughs> you're on my Twitter handle. So I am at Paddy A. Jones on Twitter, also on at New York Owls, and um, on everything else, probably too, Instagram, Owls Americas. Yeah, social king. Paul? I'm I'm at the ONs Day on Twitter, and uh, I can be found in the front garden in the pampas grass, hiding uh, the sex party swingers community. <laughs> James, <laughs> I feel like you want to get rid of us, Evan. Um, I'm at uh, well, I will be at at Manhattan now, um, basically um, just giggling at uh, at the likely meetups going on in Ohio this weekend. <laughs> Uh, How do you know what I mean? Evan, Evan, aren't you in your wife's closet? You said you were in the closet earlier. (laughs) Come out of the closet. I've told you before. That was that was the first step. (laughs) Luke. (laughs) Yes, Evan. Go on. Uh, I'm I'm on Twitter at Luke H. I I have no I have I have no good good sexpartyswingers.com joke to follow these ones. (laughs) I'm sorry. But you know the website. We didn't say the website, Luke. You must know it already. Oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> I thought someone else said .com. Maybe it's .org. Okay, stop. So anyway, <laughs> you can find Owls AmeriCast on iTunes. And Jeff does this really well. He doesn't write it down, though. Uh, find it anywhere, really, where podcasts are available, except for YouTube. We appreciate it if you give us a listen, give us a review, and obviously share with your friends. And until next time, stay away from the swingers.